Well, today I want to continue on in our series, uh, My Big Fat Mouth. And if you remember, in week one, uh, we talked about complaining. Uh, Last week, we talked about criticizing. And if you didn't get a chance to uh, look at either of those, you can look at it on the app or on our website. But today, uh, what I'd like to do, instead of telling you what the theme is, I'd like to tell you a story, and then uh, I'll share what the theme is at the end. Uh, Several years ago, uh, before we had a church office, I actually uh, would do all of my work on the teaching at the Ball State Library. The only problem is, uh, when it comes to parking on Ball State's campus, sometimes it's very difficult. And so the kind of closest place to park was in a parking garage, but the first two floors uh, were places that were reserved parking. You had to have a special permit to park there. And uh, on the third floor, there was actually a place where anyone could park, but you had to pay $5 to park there. Now, those of you that know me well, I'm tight, and I don't like to pay. And so one particular day, uh, I drove uh, to Ball State, and I saw uh, this place that had restricted, reserved parking, and there were two cars on each side. I saw the sign, and I just went ahead, and I pulled in there myself, and I told myself, it's reserved for me. That God had, like, opened up this space, and there wasn't very many students there, and thought I, I thought to myself, this is no big deal. I went into the library, I went ahead and, uh, you know, did the work for my teaching for that week, and then I came back out. And then when I walked to my car, I found one of these, a ticket that was there. And it wasn't for $5, it was for $75. Now, when that happened, my heart almost stopped. That was way over the top for me. I just couldn't imagine it. But I read on the back of the ticket, and this is what it said. Visitors who are cited for no valid permit will have their citation cleared if they respond within five days to the parking services of why they parked in the reserved parking. So I thought to myself, well, I am a visitor, and, uh, you know, I, I just filled out the back of it, And I was like, no harm, no foul. This is what I remember writing on it. I was in the library studying, and I did not realize that that was a reserved parking area. Now, pull up the reserved parking again. How can one not know that that is not the reserved parking area? Exactly. I lied. I lied. Well, I didn't have to pay for the ticket, but do you think that the pastor of the jar, who is a man of God, would ever park in that reserved area again? Yes! And I did the exact same thing a second time. And I lied again with a different excuse. Now, let me just ask you this. Do you think at that point that would have... deterred me from ever parking there again. I mean, an ordained minister, someone who went to seminary, someone who is a man of the cloth, a person who is righteous. Do you think that I would have ever done that again? Yes. 
I did it a third time. Folks, what this illustrates to you and me is what we're going to talk about today, and that is lying, lying. Now, just so I'm not the only one on the hot seat today, what I'd like you to do is everyone here uh, on the main level, those of you in the balcony, everyone on the stream as well, how many of you have lied in the last 24 hours? Just raise your hand if you have lied in the last 24 hours. Okay, I want you to look around right now at anyone who doesn't have their hand up. And you know what? Statistically speaking, they are lying in church. Shame on you, shame on you. I read a study this week, and it actually says that the average American lies four times every single day. And this is what I found out also. It was a study from the University of Massachusetts. 60% of all people, when they meet a person for the very first time, they cannot talk to that person for 10 minutes until they will lie at least one time. So that's why the teaching today will only be nine minutes. <laughs> because I do, not, I do not want to lie on a teaching about lying. Now, some of you are sitting there and we laugh at these kind of things, even my story, because many of us are like, is lying really that big of a deal? Is it that big of a deal? I mean, how does God feel about lying? Well, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22, this is what God thinks about lying. And I'd like all of us to read this out loud together. All of you on the stream as well, just join us. But let's read this out loud together. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who tell the truth. Now, in Hebrew, uh, the word for detest is an interesting word. It is the word to Abba, to Allah, to Abba. And, uh, and what it means is, it means disgusting. It means abhorrent. It means abomination. It means that it's something that makes one nauseous. Folks, when we lie, when we stretch the truth, it makes God nauseous. It makes him sick. And that's why he hates lying. Now, do you know who the biggest liar of all time is? Well, yeah, it's Satan. It's the evil one himself. In fact, Jesus told us so. In John chapter 8, starting in verse 44, it says this. He... The devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. You know, this is the reason why God hates lying so much, because his spiritual enemy, your spiritual enemy, my spiritual enemy, he uses lying and deceiving to take us away from God's truth. His number weapon is lying. The number one weapon that Jesus gives us is truth. And he says, you need to know the truth and to be in the truth because the truth will actually 
set you free. Now, what I'd like to do at the beginning of our teaching is just kind of give you the devil's three-point plan to lying. And uh, the first thing that the devil wants to do is he wants to get you to lie. He wants to get you to lie. Now, many times the foundation of this for him is for you and I to simply exaggerate. That if we just kind of exaggerate whatever it is that we're talking about, that that's not really lying. We try to convince ourselves that we'll do that. And many times, you know why we exaggerate? We exaggerate because we want ourselves to look better. Or maybe uh, you lie and you cheat on a test or you lie in some way. You know, when you were a kid, you would lie and say, well, mom and dad, I was with my friends the whole time. I promise. Liar. You were there for an hour, but you were out doing some other things for the rest of the time, right? Now, the other thing that we'll do sometimes is we do partial truths. We don't tell the whole truth. We just tell some of the truth because, again, we want ourselves to look better than what we actually are. I find this all the time when people are talking about a conflict that they've had with another person. They'll go up to you and they'll say, you know what I told them? I told him, you don't ever say this again. If you say this to me, I'm going to go off on you. And here, let me pull you aside. If you do this, I'm going to do that. And I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen the next time that you ever do this to me. And then a person will ask them the question, did you really say all that? And then all of a sudden the person's like, ah, no, but I was thinking it. Oh, I was thinking it. Yeah exaggeration folks when you exaggerate you can call it whatever you want you know what it is it's a lie it's just a lie and it's amazing to me that in our sinful nature how often it is that you and i turn to the devil's native language of lying as i shared earlier and some of you just kind of let it go by because you didn't want to admit that you lied in the last 24 hours but The average American lies four times. Some of you are lying more than that. Some of you less, but four times every single day. And you're like, well, that's not too bad. Well, think about it in a week. It's almost 30 times. Think about in a year. It's over 1,500 times that you and I lie. If that happened anywhere else, we'd say it's a pandemic. And we know that. The first part of the devil's plan is to get you to lie. And many of us fall into that hook, line, and sinker. The second step is this. He gets you to lie to yourself. It's not just lying to other people, but then you begin to lie to yourself. How does this work? Well, have you ever noticed this? Once you start lying about something, pretty soon you've got to cover up that lie. And then once you cover up that lie, then you lie a little bit more, and pretty soon you're covering up everything, and pretty soon you don't remember where the truth begins and it ends. You don't even remember the lie. You just think it's all truth. And you start rationalizing why you lie. Well, my lies really aren't that bad. And, uh, you know, uh, it's not really that big a deal. I could quit any time. I could. I could quit any time I want to. Or, uh, it's not my fault. It's not my fault why I lie. The reason I do is because of these other people. I have to do it. 
Everyone else's fault, that's why I lie. And we go from lying to others to actually lying to ourselves. This is what happened to a, a guy by the name of David. Uh, David, if you remember, his story is in the Old Testament, the first half of the Bible, and he was considered the greatest king of all of Israel. Um, but one particular day, he thought he was above the rules. He didn't think the rules applied to him. And all the other kings went off to war where he should have been, but he said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm staying back. All the other guys can go. I don't want to be around those smelly, stinky soldiers. I don't want to take the chance of me losing my life. I'm not going to do that. And so he stays back in his palace. Everyone else, all the men are out to war. And while he's at the palace, he gets really bored because everyone else is out doing what God told them to do. He's staying back. And while he stays back, one day he goes up to his balcony on his palace and he looks out and he sees a woman who is bathing and she is naked. I mean, completely naked. And he's like, ooh la la, like I like this. And so he goes ahead and he says, hey, uh, I'm going to get my servant. And he tells the servant, he says, hey, go and, you know, uh, get that woman. Bring her to my palace. And he brings her there and he woos her and she's married and he's married, but he woos her and they have sex. They commit adultery. And pretty soon he's like, oh, man, I'm caught. I've got to start lying. And so he creates one lie after another lie after another lie. And then he finds out that she's pregnant. And her husband, Uriah, is actually in the war, but he's not. And he's like, oh, this isn't going to work very good. And he tries to do more lies and more lies and more cover up and nothing happens until finally, David's like, the only way this is going to take care of itself is if I put Uriah at the front of the war and he dies in battle. And that's what happens. And Bathsheba becomes a widow because of David's lies. Well, later on, a guy by the name of Nathan, who's a prophet, a person who speaks on behalf of God, he goes to David and he says, David, I want to tell you a little story. And David's like, oh, great. I love stories. Please tell me this story. And he said, well, once upon a time, there was a very rich and powerful man who had more wealth and animals than you could imagine. And there was this very poor man. He only had one little lamb. And uh, he loved this little lamb, and all of his kids loved this little lamb. The little lamb kind of became like a pet for them. And one day, a hungry person came to the rich man's house, and as an act of hospitality, he knew he had to feed him. But instead of killing one of his thousands and thousands of animals, he went ahead and he took the one little lamb from the poor man, and he killed it, and he gave it to this man who was hungry to feed him. And King David, he gets mad. He gets furious. He's like, oh, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is happening. This is such an injustice. This is horrible. Who is this rich man that you're talking about? He should die. And then Nathan looked at him and said, Ateish, Ateish, which in Hebrew, what it means is you are the man. You're the man. You know, I have a feeling right now that some of you are feeling a little bit uncomfortable because the Holy Spirit is convicting you right now of something that's going on in your own life or for those of you on the stream, something going on in your world in which the Spirit is saying today, Ateish, 
you are the man, or Ateisha, you are the woman. And you are not only carrying a lie, but you're living out this lie regularly, and you're away from God's truth. And maybe today, just today, God is giving you a warning to come clean. So, what does our enemy want? What does the evil one want? He wants to get you to lie. He wants you to get to lie to yourself. And then finally, which is his masterpiece, he actually wants to get you to live a lie, to live a lie. This is where you claim to do one thing or to be one thing, and then you actually do or you become something totally different. And this isn't all of you, but undoubtedly in a size of people this large, or for those of you that are on the stream, it is some of you. It could be uh, for some of you that you say, hey, I'm a, a good Christian dude. And when you're around other people, you are a good Christian dude. But when you're by yourself and you're in your house, you're addicted to porn and you have a tendency to be on porn forever. Maybe for others of you, you're Pinterest mom. Every single time you, you kind of show on Pinterest how everything is organized and looks good and my kids look fine and they match and all is well. But if the truth were known, the reality is for you, you feel very alone and you feel overwhelmed and you feel anxiety much of the time. Maybe for some of you, you go to a small group as a married couple and you go to the group and everybody looks at you and they're like, oh, you've got it together. Everything's good. But what people don't realize is when you leave from group, you go back to your house and you're actually sleeping in separate beds and you're barely able talk to each other. Folks, some of you might be feeling a little bit uncomfortable, like I said earlier right now, because the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, Ateish, Ateisha, you are the person. You're living a lie. So, why do we lie? Well, the, the truth is we lie for different reasons. For example, I got permission from my wife, but she said, yep, that's me. My wife, Jennifer, she tends to lie to protect other people's feelings. Or she'll lie to make another person feel better. I lie in a very self-centered kind of way. I lie because I want myself to look better. I actually lie because I'm trying to cover my tracks from something else. So we lie for different reasons. So let me ask you this, Jennifer and I've been honest, why do you lie? Why do you, the person sitting in your seat, the person on the stream right now, why do you lie? Well, I was thinking about it over the last few uh, weeks as I've been preparing for this, and uh, it kind of came to me why we lie. And here's the big idea, and this is your next fill-in the root reason why many of us lie is because we don't completely trust God. The reason why you and I lie is because we don't completely trust God. In fact, sometimes we think to ourselves, well, a lie actually is better than truth. If I lie, I'll be safe. If I lie, I'll stay out of trouble. 
If I lie, then we don't have to be in conflict. I mean, we can avoid conflict. If I just lie about this, we we don't have to deal with all this. If I lie, I'll actually look better in the situation. Sometimes, many times, we think to ourselves, the lie looks better than the truth. The problem is, once you start lying like that, pretty soon you just have a relationship of lies. A relationship of lies. You might do it with your mom or your mother-in-law or someone else. So you're like, I don't want that conflict. So you lie to try to stay out of it. Actually, some of the healthiest things can happen is when we have conflict. But the reason why many of us uh, lie is because we don't completely trust God. Now, let's break down everything that we talked about so far. First of all, who is the devil? The devil is the father of all lies. What's his native language? It is to lie. His greatest desire is to get you to deceive yourself from the truth. But if you are a Christian, what Christ wants you to do is to speak truth and to find truth. And we believe, if you're a Christ follower, that truth actually is not just in a word, it's actually in a person that Jesus Christ is truth. How do we know this? Jesus actually said it himself. He said this in John 14. He said, I am the way, I am the, what's the next word? I am the truth, and I am the life. He said, I am not a truth. I'm not one of the truths. He said, I am the truth. And he went on to say, and you will know the truth and the truth will actually set you free. Folks, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. Lying or lies lead to bondage. Truth leads to freedom. Let me say that again. Lies lead to bondage. Truth leads to to freedom. And Jesus wants you to live in freedom. Now, Satan wants you to tell a lie, believe a lie, and live a lie. Jesus, on the other hand, wants you to tell the truth, to walk in the truth, and to live a life of truth. And the choice is up to you. Now, we learned about the devil's three-point plan of what it means when it comes to lying. But God actually has a plan for lying as well. And this is something that many of you will want to focus in. If you've drifted away, come back. And it's this. It's very powerful. It's very simple. But here's God's plan when it comes to lying. We confess to God for forgiveness and to people for healing. When we lie, when we sin in any way, we confess to God for forgiveness and to other people for healing. 1 John 1, 9 says this, If we confess our sins before God, what is he? He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I love this. God says to us that if we simply confess to him, he will cleanse us, He will forgive us. He will actually separate every single sin from us as far as the east is from the west. I mean, every flub up, every mess up, every screw up, anytime that it happens, don't run away from God. Actually run to him and say, God, I'm sorry. And this is what he says. I will forgive you every single time, 100%. If you confess, 
I will forgive. That's something to be grateful to God for. But we don't just confess our sins to God for forgiveness, but we also confess to other people for healing. James, Jesus' brother, said this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be what? What's the next word? Yeah, healed. We confess to God for forgiveness of our sins. We confess to others for healing, and that's where the power comes. Well, after my third uh, Ball State parking ticket, I went ahead and made another lie, another excuse, and I sent it in. And later that week, I was in my prayer time, and I was like, God, is there any place where I'm not showing light, where I might be sinning? And God said, yes, there is. And I felt very convicted, and God said, well, you know that parking spot was reserved, and you knew that, and you parked there anyways. I'm like, ah, yeah, God, I'm so sorry. Um, will you forgive me? And God was like, absolutely, I, I forgive you. And I was like, good, man, I'm out of it, you know? And then all of a sudden, I felt this very strong prompting from the Spirit, not audibly, but just in my spirit, that now, so that you can get healing for your life, I want you to go to the parking services and actually tell them that you lied and you are paying for your ticket. And I was like, say what? Like, I don't want to do that. And, uh, but I did. I walked to the Ball State Parking Services. I walked in. There was a nice woman there. I said, hi. I said, my name's Chris Bunch. I got a ticket, you know, a little back. Oh, she goes, oh, yeah, I know that. And I said, well, you know, I filled out the thing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me check it. Make sure, you know, we have this policy within five days. If you do this, we just tear the ticket apart. And I was like, okay. And so she looked at it and she, she said, yep, it's all here. You're taken care of. I said, well, ma'am, I said, actually, I really knew that I wasn't supposed to park there. And, you know, I wrote that out and I hate to say it, but, but I lied. And she said, oh, well, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, we have this happen all the time. We can take care of this. Uh, you did it within the five days. It's all good. And all of a sudden in my spirit, I'm starting to think in that moment, I'll never forget, uh, this is how Satan can tempt you. I'm off. <laughs> like, God, I did everything you said to do. And this lady just doesn't want me to pay. So, you know, hey, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, you know. <laughs> but God's spirit just kept coming to me. Chris, pay the bill. You lie. So this is what I said. I said, uh, ma'am, I said, uh, you know, I go to church and I know that one of the Ten Commandments is you shall not lie. And I lied about it and I would feel just so much better if I could just pay for this. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to pull out this check. I'm going to write it for $75. I'm going to give it to you and you can either put it towards my account or you can pay it for the next person. I don't care, but you know, I'm, I'm, I go to church, I'm trying to do this, and would you do this? Well, I gave it to her, and then she asked me this question. She said, what church do you go to? (laughs) And at that point, I said, well, I go to the bridge. No, I didn't. I I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I I actually said, well, I go to the jar. And she's like, oh, she's like, oh, I love the jar. She goes, I actually used to work at the YMCA where you guys meet. And uh, I've heard so many great things about your pastor. Now, what's your pastor's name again? 
And I said, it's Chuck Mock. <laughs> honestly, I, I honestly did. I mean, I'm not, I'm not proud of it, but I did. And all of a sudden, the Spirit's like, yes, he's a pastor, but you're the pastor. And I said, ma'am, I'm sorry, I just lied right there. Chuck's one of the pastors. He really is. But my name's Chris Bunch, and, and I'm the pastor. And you know what? I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing. And it's so hard for me to do this. And, <laughs> and I'm sure this lady, she probably thought, you're an idiot. You know? But then she went on. She said, well, I want to come to your church sometime. And I was like, well, join the Liars Club. That's... You know, <laughs> That's us. Now, we laugh at this because the reality is, I bet some of you have a story like this too. And you know what's convicting for me was that I got forgiveness from God, but then God added one more step that I wasn't expecting the next week. I was in my prayer time and God said this. If you really want healing, Chris, I want you to actually tell Chuck that you didn't lie once but you lied three times. And I want you to do that this week. And so Chuck's been my accountability partner for well over a decade. We meet every single week. And, uh, you know, I, it's one of these things I, I'm not, uh, not proud to tell the story or say it, but I really didn't want to tell him because I thought that he would think less of me if I told him the truth about myself, and I said, hey, this is what I did. And then this is what he said. I'll never forget. He said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. It took so much guts to go through that kind of humiliation to tell the truth. Folks, we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to another person for healing. And I have the feeling that some of you have probably been carrying a lie. Maybe some of you are living a lie. The devil wants you to just keep on doing that, to keep on living that lie. The question is today, today, would you come forward and tell the truth? Confess your sin to another person to get healing. Confess it to God for forgiveness. So, as we close today, what I'd like you to do is I want you to think about what is that one lie in your life that you've been holding back? God does not want you to stay in bondage. He wants you to have freedom. And whatever that is, that you would confess that to him today. And that this week you might find a safe person to actually share that with them so that you could be set free. Because when the Spirit sets you free, folks, you are free indeed. Let's pray. Well, loving God, thank you so much for speaking truth to us today. And help us, God, to have the courage to confess whatever that lie is that we've been holding on to you so that we could be forgiven of that sin, whatever it is. And right now, God, we pray that you'd come and you would 
Help us to confess that, both every single person on the stream and everyone here in the auditorium. And right now, if you would say, you know what? Yep, I don't always tell the truth, Chris. I do not always tell the truth. I want to be a truth teller. I want to be a person who tells truth, but I don't always tell the truth. If you would, if you just raise your hand right now, just say, yep, uh, I don't always tell the truth. That's probably all of us, to be honest. If you just raise your hand, let me pray for you. God, I pray for every single hand that's raised. I pray, God, that you would help us that when we're tempted to lie, when we're tempted to exaggerate, God, when we're tempted to tell stories, to make ourselves look better, God, that we would turn to you first. That we would remember that the language of the evil one is to lie. But the language of Jesus himself is truth, to live and walk in the truth. So God, please renew every single mind with a raised hand. Help them to live your truth every day because we know, God, that when we turn to the truth, that the truth will set us free. And God, for those who might be living a lie right now, I pray that you would lead them to the appropriate person, whoever it is, that they could confess and receive healing. And God, that they would come clean with whatever that is in Jesus' name. And I ask God that as they confess that to whoever it is that they can confess it to, that that person would be full of grace to know how to care for them in the midst of that. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You can put your hand down. Now, maybe for some of you, the greatest lie that you are living is that you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've kind of done the church thing, maybe you've watched this on the stream, but you've never really said, Jesus, I want you to have my whole life. And so today, if you're ready to say, I'm tired of living a lie. Jesus, I need you in my life. I want you in my life. I need your love. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I need a new, clean slate. Then I'm going to invite you in a prayer. And it's not a prayer that you pray by yourself. But it's a prayer that we pray together in unity. And so I invite you to simply bow your head, close your eyes, and repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I give my life to you. Jesus, forgive me. Make me brand new. I believe you died and rose again so I could live for you. Fill me with your spirit so I could know you, serve you, and follow you for the rest of my life. Help me to walk in your truth. Speak your truth and show your truth. My life is not my own. Today I give it to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.